What's up, everybody? Back for a discussion-based podcast. We're going to be talking about ways to isolate the quad. Um, before we get into the details of it, just updating on things. Uh, some more fun podcasts to come. We're we'll going to be doing, have some guests on talking about speed and power development. Um, probably some guests coming on. Uh, some fun ACL content to come, as well as some more discussions on some return-to-play measures as well as some general fitness and wellness tips in regards to kind of building your own fitness plan or helping program design for your clients. Um, but stay tuned again every two weeks uh, on Sundays, new podcasts will be posted. One a month will be ideally with an interview that's worthwhile and interesting for you guys, as well as one is on a discussion that was requested by the audience so far. So what we're going to be talking about today is the ways to isolate the quad. When it comes to rehab, particularly post-operative rehab, the quad is king, right? You have knee surgery, the cascade that develops is you have tissue healing, swelling, and lack of movement. That combination of lack of movement, swelling, and healing leads to inhibition of the quad. The quad then gradually becomes atrophied, becomes weak, and you lose the neuromuscular control of the quad. You can do things in the open chain, closed chain, etc., to try to build leg strength, but more often than not, the body's going to have creative ways to get around utilization of the quad to achieve the functional movement. So you might be able to squat perfectly, squat with load. That doesn't necessarily mean your quad's driving it. So I wanted to go through some ways that you can try to do your best to isolate your quad to get quad-specific strength. You know, and most often in the health and in the fitness world, we talk about you know hip hinging. We talk about the glutes. We talk about the posterior chain. And in more, most aspects, most people have posterior chain weakness. We sit all day, we have these repetitive, prolonged, poor postures, we live in these more extended, arched positions, and we live in these compressed positions. All that leads to is generally guarding and weakness on the posterior chain from your glutes to your calves to your hamstrings to your posterior core, including your multifidus. If I've never seen someone and I'm going to start training and building a program for you, that's probably where I'm going to start some sort of posterior chain and hip hinge progression. But the topic today I want to go through is quads. One, obviously the quads are incredibly important. They play a huge role in eccentric control of the lower extremities, so stopping, putting on the brakes, change of direction. It is your primary shock absorber for your leg, particularly your knee. So if you do not have quad strength, you're typically going to develop patellofemoral issues. Um, you can develop shin splints and your quads are obviously a big force generator for just overall performance including sprinting and running. I think under, most of us understand that the quad, the four muscles, vastus medialis, lateralis, intermedius, um, and the rectus femoris. We understand that there's four muscles, we understand their function, but we tend to lose perspective on how uh, how and when they're weak and how we train them. So let's go over it. So let's say we would start with two different case scenarios. Let's go over the first case scenario, which you're in the rehab setting is probably going to be the more common thing. But even if you're in more of the sports performance, strength and conditioning side of things, you're going to be seeing people who are post-operative, even if they're years after the fact that have these issues. But if I'm thinking about ways to start to isolate the quad for a post-op patient, you know, the acute phase is doing more open chain neurological re-education. So by that, you know, you, the gold standard 
old school way of just a simple quad set is obviously a great place to start. With a quad set, what you really want to see though is you got to see that patellar glide or that superior patellar migration, and you have to see the descension or extension of the knee. You can get the knee to lock out, the knee to go flat, but if you don't see that patella move, they're not using their quad. Another great way to kind of work on the open chain is like a prone knee lockout. We are replicating almost pseudo closed chain with your like toes on the ground as you lock out, which will start to incorporate some soleus strength. If you did not know, the soleus is a secondary knee extender, particularly in the closed kinetic chain as it pulls the tibia back posteriorly. So it's a great way to start to incorporate some of that almost heel strike, partial weight bearing control of knee extension in the quad. And then eventually I'll turn them around and do like a seated straight leg raise. Again, these are all drills that are introductory, not best for your like functional level patients, but more your post-op people. That straight leg raise, I like to do them in a seated position and the hip relatively flex. So you take the rectus out of it and you're gonna bias more of the other quad muscles, which are usually more of the issue. But let's say, okay, you've got them off the table. They have knee extension, they've got good quad. Now you need to take it into function. Before you can really worry about, you know, is this a quad specific movement? You first gotta be able to teach basic functional movement. So can they do a box squat with appropriate hinging, appropriate knee to foot at a hip alignment? And can they do it with load, with repetition and with volume? Once they can achieve the basic parameters of a decent squat and they have the mobility to achieve that from the hip and knee and ankle all being able to flex and being able to maintain a somewhat upright trunk, then we can start to play around with ways to bias the quad. So what are some good quad exercises? One that I love that I've been using a lot lately is a Spanish squat. Uh, I would love to say I know why it's called a Spanish squat, but it is. I should do some research on that. But a Spanish squat, basically what you're doing is you're promoting a vertical tibia doing a squat-based motion. Usually we use a vertical tibia or an upright shin with more of a hip hinge dominated movement, which is like a deadlift. But if we promote a vertical shin with a vertical trunk, that's gonna really force the quadriceps to kind of hold the shin in place. And it's a great way to force your quad to work. So by that, what I'll do if I'm in a squat rack, I'll put like a thick band in the squat rack and rest the superior posterior tibia on the band, which then gives me two things. It gives me something to promote that vertical shin as I go into the upright trunk squat, but it also gives me a little proprioceptive feedback to force terminal knee extension as I come back up from the squat. So I'll do two-legged, I'll do kickstand, I'll do single-leg Spanish squats, and I'll do them with a lot of volume. And these people just get an intense quad burn and super awesome way to isolate or try to force quad work into more squat-dominated patterns, trying to take some of the hamstrings and glute out of the equation. I think something, at least in the rehab world, that we've started to shy away from is open kinetic chain quad work. Um, you know, there's research late 80 or sorry, in the 90s that really showed that, you know, open chain quad work puts a whole lot of strain on the patellofemoral joint. I think they did it back in the day with like the old knee extension machines and it showed compressive and shearing force on the patella. And I think it does do that. I'm not saying that's not the case, but if you load it correctly and load it with the appropriate volume, you can get a whole bunch of awesome quad work. Um, and if you think about it, the open kinetic chain is the, really the only way of doing open chain knee extension that you can do a quad isolated movement. There's no way the ham can get involved. There's no way the glutes can get involved if you're sitting and doing it. 
So in the clinic, you know, or the gym, what I'll do is often like BFR, blood flow restricted, open chain knee extensions and do two or three sets of 20 to 30 reps and just really burn out that quad and open chain extension. Also do manually resisted open chain so I can change the angle of the load based on the shin angle, which will reduce stress into the patella. But long story short is don't be afraid to do open chain work because you'll get a lot of benefit out of it. And it's a great way to do kind of active rest between different exercises to get quad work while you're working on maybe some deadlift patterns or some dynamic balance work. All right, so Spanish squats, open kinetic chain squats. Another way I like to isolate the quad is backwards walking. So with the backwards walking, we are going to get a little bit of soleus involvement, which I love. But again, you're going to get that almost eccentric terminal knee extension, and you're going to force that pattern of using more of a quad dominant pattern with gait. So what I'll do is I'll have a sled of some sort, they'll either be pulling it with their arms or attached to their waist, and I'll have them walk backwards. I'll have them do, gosh, usually I'll time it in intervals, about a two to three minute interval, or I'll measure the distance, but it's a large volume of retro or backwards walking working on controlling load and movement for longer periods of time. It's also a great way to train uh, like tibial rotation and pelvic rotation where if people have limitations in their quad and limitations of controlling like the heel strike of gait, they'll often cheat with rotations of their foot and hip. So you can kind of cue them on, on keeping that linear alignment with the retro walking. All right, two more quad examples so you can start playing around with them. The other way I love working on the quad and the closed chain is replicating triple extension. Triple extensions, hip, knee, ankle extension. So usually I'll do this in either a hands on the wall, wall lean position, or I'll have the involved leg on the ground and the non-involved leg on like a step in front of it. But the idea is can you maintain full terminal knee extension as you go into a full plantar flex position? So it looks like a calf raise, it is a calf raise, but you're really focusing on the knee extension. Once they come down from the calf raise, they let the knee flex a little bit, go back into terminal knee extension, raise up onto the toe. So you're getting calf work, but against that ability to sink your quad into the kinetic chain with getting your hip, calf, and quad all controlling extension at the same time. Sometimes I'll put a band behind their knee to resist the extension to kind of load it and see if they can control it. You then can start being dynamic and see if they can change it with speed and kind of snap side to side with your legs, seeing if they can maintain that extension. Um, but another great way to try to incorporate quad work into the kinetic chain in a way that they can tell if they're doing it or not because they can see if they're locking or unlocking their knee. And the last example, and there's many more, but I love using the box squat. So with the box squat, uh, one, the box is there to help cue form, but it also is almost a way of doing like the Spanish squat where it usually cues more of an upright shin angle and more of an upright trunk angle. When we're squatting, the more vertical our trunk is in general, the more quad activation we're going to get. The more we hinge forward, the more glued posterior chain. The issue people have is they lack thoracic extension. They lack the hip and trunk stability to maintain that upright trunk. So he's going to those hinge positions and they really struggle to access the quad. With the box squat, which I love to do in maybe more of the, the rehab setting with like a safety bar or a goblet, just to help promote some of that thoracic block stacking over the pelvic block. Um, but I'll use the box squat. I'll get the depth either parallel or just below parallel. They gotta have the motion to do that rep it out and so by that what I mean is 
they will get to the box. I'll cue them to have a really wide foot angle, which helps, sorry, like uh, foot width. So their feet are really wide, wider than shoulder width significantly, which will load the hips in a way in regards to the hip flexion range, but it helps keep that vertical shin. So if you have wide feet, vertical shin, and go with a safety bar or a goblet squat, you can get awesome quad strength and you can load it a whole lot more than any of the drills I was talking about. So this is probably where I'm trying to get to long term to do five sets of five, six sets of five, heavy load, box squats, and really just kind of tear apart the legs, but know that I'm biasing the quads with that functional movement. So hopefully those are some good ideas that you can start brainstorming with, some open chain ideas, some lower level closed chain ideas, as well as some general postural cues to focus on if we want more of a quad emphasis. How can you tell if you're making a difference? So I usually measure quad girth. So I go about midpoint from the quad and measure the girth to see how we are side to side. There's obviously looking at other muscles as well, but a good basic way to do it. I'll do some open chain dynamometer testing of the quad to get more of a pounds of pressure. And obviously just looking at uh, general muscle activation with like neuromuscular tests, such as like a straight leg raise are some good general ways to get some quad assessments. Um, again, hope you learned a couple things. Uh, feel free to comment, ask questions, reach out. Uh, more fun content to come and hope you guys are all doing well. Take care.